Hello guys, today I'm going to read chapter 8 of the Shakespeare Stealer. So here I go. The only thing I could think of what of to do was to admit that I'd overlooked a few lines, but to lie about just how many and hope that I'd be allowed a second chance. When I emerged on the tag end of the crowd, Faulkner stood where I had left him, a dozen yards from the playhouse. His face turned toward the river as though watching the slow progress of the coal barges. I considered bolting, losing myself in the crowd and thence in the streets of the city, but something made a thing uh, me hesitate. Perhaps it was the reward presumed me by Simon Bass. Perhaps it it was the thought of having to fend for myself in this unfamiliar territory. Perhaps it was both. When Falconer then Falconer turned and saw me, and it was too late. Gloomily I approached him. Well, he said. I got down most of it. Most of it? I yes. The greater the greater part. Nearly all, in fact. Save for a, a, a wee bit here and there. He smacked his fist into his palm so violently that I shrank back. Why not all of it? I I couldn't hear well from where I stood. It was a very noisy crap. Falconer crushed under his breath cursed under his breath how much is missing actually i know 10 actually 20 lines 50 100 tried i tried to choose the figure that would not sound too drastic yet would necessitate my coming back to fill in the gaps not a hundred i ventured Closer to fifty, I wis. You wis? He sighed heavily and stood watching the Vargas in a moment. A moment. Then, when is the next performance of the play? Friday, I think. I, 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 I think. Friday. Unbrently, he turned to, gl- to glare at me. You'd best clean out your ears before then. Understood? Uh, I, yes, I will. We stalked off and hastened after. And I hastened after. As we neared the first of the footbridges, a man appeared from the rear of the playhouse and stepped into the bridge. Falconer brushed past him so brushfully that he knocked the man off the balance. The man stumbled sideways, tripped on the edge of the bridge, and splashed into the drainage ditch. He sprang up the dripping wet of dripping wet after Falconer and snatched the back of Falconer's cloak, pulling the hood away from his head. Falconer whirled about his rapier all race 
sweeping free of its hanger. The other man halted. This hand, his hand too, went went to his weapon. But before he could fully draw it, Falconer's sword point leaped forward. The move was so swift, I am not certain I saw it clearly, but I believe he thrust its point through the guard of the of the other's weapon and jerked upward. The man's rapier took flight and came to the earth in the water of the ditch. With equal quickness, Falconer pulled the hood of his cloak forward again. Well, said the dismayed man with surprising calm, you have advantage of me. Now that I heard his voice, I knew who he was. For the, f- the first grave grave digger in the play. Small wonder I did not recognize him at first. His appearance and speech were radically changed. Within the world of the play, he had been a shabby half-drunk clown. Outside the playhouse walls, he cut quite a different figure. He was well-built, well-dressed, and well-mannered, with nothing foolish or humble about him. Despite the fact that he had just fallen to the ditch, it had been relieved of his weapon. Falconer was putting away his sword. The player held up a hand to stay him. Will you not allow me to slavish my weapon, sir, and with it my honor? Without replying, Falconer thrust his rapier into its hanger and turned away. May I at least know your name, then? One does not often meet a man with so dismaring a manner. I guessed that Falconer would not be able to resist a bit of worldly, and I was right. You know my arms. You need not know my name. it took me a moment to grasp the pun if you recognize the man's coat of arms then you knew his family name but the player laughed appreciatively appreciatively at once it does seem to me that there is something familiar about you have we met before in another life perhaps Falconer strode away. The player gazed after him thoughtfully. I hastened after Falconer, not wishing to be left behind, but the player took hold of the sleeve of my tunic. What is your master's name? Your master? Why, Dr. Bright, he said. I said, perhaps out of a hold of an old habit, perhaps a de- deliberate lie. I was not sure which. That is Dr. Bright, the player said, incredulously, nodding after Falconer's departing figure. That is not my master. I don't ken that white, and I'm as glad of it. The man laughed. He's an unmannerly lounge, isn't he? And he let go of my sleeve. 
You're merely a playgoer then. Tell me, how did you like the play, a country lad like you, like yourself? Oh, very much. I said earnestly, trying not to seem anxious as Falconer faded from me. Did you indeed? He stroked his short beard with a trace of amusement. And that part did you fancy most? The fancy bout, I said instantly. It looked so real. The man laughed. Excellent. He he wedded into the ditch and fetched out his rapier. I'm a company's fencing master, you see. He looked roughly at the muddy sword. Though you could hardly guess it from the display just now. You are? I was torn between catching up with Faulkner and hearing more about the play. Hi. We, he climbed from the ditch and wiped his weapon in the grass. I frowned. You mock my speech. Not at all, he assured me. I fell into it out of the old habit. I'm a country white myself, born in the bread in Yorkshire. Judging from your speech, your master must be a South Countryman. Hi. But surely he's not the same. Do- Dr. Bright, who authorized the chairs of melancholy. Hi. You don't mean you can his work? Oh, we do indeed can. In fact, you might tell him that our Mr. Shakespeare has found his book invaluable. As you may have noticed, Helmet is is a very master of melancholy. He clapped me on the shoulder. I'll be off now, or my colleagues, or my colleagues, will be several beers ahead of me, and I'll have trouble catching up. Laughing, he shook his head and licked his lips. and licked his lips. Performing works of the thirst like nothing else, save the dueling, perhaps. Adieu, adieu, my young friend. Come see us again. Unused to such civility, I let him get a dozen paces down the road before I thought to reply. I, I called. Thank you. I'll surely do that. After all, I thought, what choice did I have? I found my way back to the Bank of Thames, but Falconer was nowhere in sight. Since I had no penny for passage, I did not care to risk my life in another boat. In any case, I could have found another way of crossing the river. The only bridge was formable one of wood and stone several hundred yards downstream. In, in truth, it seemed less like a bridge than like a crowded city street so heavily laden with shops and that I feared the whole affair might collapse under the rumbling wheels of the carts and pounding hoofs of the horses. Once safely on the north bank, I asked a cheerful fish wife 
to the way of to the way to the George where I found Falconer eating his supper. Fish again. So you finally found your way, he said. The player held me back. And what did you tell him? Not. Just as you said I should. He stared at me a long moment with his shadowed eyes, as if trying to see into my soul. Then he devoured the last of his meal and rose. I don't like liars, he said, his voice low and harsh. I hope you are not one. I shook my head empathetically, too intimidated to speak. I don't believe he noticed, for he was already on his way upstairs. So that was chapter eight. Bye, guys. See you later. See you later. See you. See you later. Bye, guys.